0: American Catholic History is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give.
1: and welcome to American Catholic History sponsored by Beatrix Media providing writing, digital marketing website strategy and construction and search engine optimization services visit Beatrixmedia.com experience your world communicated if you like American Catholic history, please help others find it by sharing this episode and giving us a five star rating wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Noel Heaster Crow. And I'm Tom Crow. Today we're talking about Dom Virgil Michael, a visionary and transformative figure in the history of the church in America. He played a huge role in the development of the liturgical movement in this country, and he had some very strong and revolutionary ideas about religious education and catechesis.
0: So he had lots to say about two topics that you and I know a thing or two about. You're a catechist by training, and I'm all about the centrality of the liturgy.
1: Yes, and as we were discussing this episode, we both were pleasantly surprised by a lot of what he had to say about both topics.
0: We did. But I also found a number of thoughts on liturgy to be eh.
1: Yes, and we'll talk about some of those, but you certainly appreciated his insistence on the central role of the liturgy in the lives of Catholics, not just clerics and those in religious life, but all Catholics. Oh, yeah.
0: Lex orandi, Lex Credendi, Lex Vivendi. How we pray is how we believe is how we live. Right worship brings right belief brings right living. And that, of course, ties into the part that made you smile. He thought education, and in particular, religious education, must be experiential and not just book learning. You are trained in all three levels of the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd, which is all about learning through experience.
1: Right. And what I found fascinating is that he was talking about this in the 1920s and 1930s. Catechesis of the Good Shepherd wasn't developed by Sophia Cavalletti until the 1950s, so nearly 20 years after Dom Virgil's death, but he was already advocating for what I've seen to be the most effective and helpful method of religious education.
0: Some say he was a man ahead of his time, but I disagree. I think he was a keen observer of his time, and he wasn't afraid to take bold steps to propose new ways of approaching things in response to problems he saw. As I suggested before, I can't say I agree with every one of his proposed changes to the liturgy, but I do love his motivation and his grand vision.
1: Okay, so let's actually get to his story. He was born George Michael in St. Paul, Minnesota in June of 1890. He was the second of 15 children. His parents were devout Catholics and were fairly well-to-do. He was a very good student and loved spending time at his grandparents' farm during the summer. At
0: 13, he went to St. John's Preparatory School in Collegeville, Minnesota, which was run by the Benedictines of St. John Abbey. His time there affected him profoundly because, well, he never left. He went on to college at St. John's College, and then in 1909, at 19 years old, he decided to enter St. John Abbey. During his novitiate, he was given the name Virgil. He made his solemn vows in 1913 and was ordained a priest in 1916. Father Virgil was sent by the Abbey to Catholic University of America in Washington, D.C. for doctoral studies, and there, a very interesting thing happened. He did his doctoral dissertation on someone we talked about just recently, Orestes Brownson. We did two episodes on Brownson, telling his conversion story in episode 114, and then diving into his thought in episode 115. Now, when we set up these episodes with Virgil Michael closely following Orestes Brownson, we had no idea about this connection, But it is providential that it worked out this way just two episodes later.
1: It sure is. The part of Brownson's thought that plays into Dom Virgil's intellectual project is Brownson's development of the idea that Catholics are uniquely situated to be not only good Americans, but to be the best Americans. As Brownson explains, the new and revolutionary thing about being an American is the role of each individual in society through political activity. American government will be virtuous so long as the voters electing the leaders are virtuous. Now, through discerning natural law, all can live a virtuous life, but only Catholics have an external authority who is guaranteed by God to teach rightly when teaching morality. So only Catholics are guaranteed to have right morality at the ready when making decisions about whom to vote for and how to act in society in general. So Catholics are equipped to be the best Americans. Don Virgil's thinking would expand on this And go further.
0: After earning a doctorate in English and a licentiate in theology in 1918, he returned to Collegeville to teach at St. John's College, where he also served in various administrative roles. Then in 1924, he was sent to Europe for further studies. And it was while there that the next major component of his thinking was formed and his life work was more or less set.
1: Yet while in Europe, he became acquainted with a liturgical movement taking place on that continent. Efforts were underway to renew the liturgical life of the church and encourage greater participation in and understanding of the liturgy. He had loved
0: liturgy since he was a boy back in St. Paul, and that had continued as, as he had become a Benedictine. So to see a massive effort to help even more people be affected positively by liturgy really fired his mind and heart.
1: He also became interested in the philosophy of personalism, personalism is a way to look at the inherent value of each person and to consider what are the responsibilities and freedoms that a person has as such.
0: Now, personalism is not individualism, and this is where it bumps into what can be considered the American ideal of rugged individualism, each person out for himself trusting that everyone acting in their own self-interest will result in the best state of affairs. Personalism recognizes that individual persons only make sense in community with other persons, and this brings demands of justice into play. Now, we're not talking about justice in the sense of a person facing a trial and sentencing when they break a law. We're talking about the virtue of justice and what each person owes to each other person by virtue of each person's personhood.
1: How all this came together in Dom Virgil's mind and heart is really spectacular. He began to synthesize a number of things which had been kept separate in ways that he thought were harmful to Christians. Those things were the liturgy, catechesis, and social justice.
0: As we said at the outset, lex orandi, lex credendi, lex vivendi. How you pray is how you believe is how you live.
1: That means that to achieve better living among Catholics, Catholics had to be better catechized. And to be better catechized, Catholics had to be more deeply acquainted with the liturgy, the ultimate prayer of the church. The term for how
0: all this came together is the mystical body of Christ. The Church is the mystical body of Christ, and as such, we are all connected, so we all owe justice to one another. And the liturgy is the primary and ultimate prayer of the mystical body of Christ. And through the liturgy, we can and will come to know the mystical body of Christ more intimately.
1: So with all of this stewing together in his mind and heart, he returned to the United States in 1925 and set to work.
0: First, he began a journal to publish articles about the liturgical movement that he was spearheading here in the United States. He titled the journal Arate Fratres, which is Latin for pray, brethren. It is the beginning of the prayer the priest says during the offertory of the mass, which in English says... Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be pleasing to God, the Almighty Father. So it was a fitting title for such a journal.
1: And at the same time, he founded the liturgical press in Collegeville. He had to found his own publishing house because many in the American church hierarchy and in publishing houses were highly skeptical of what they thought would be a dangerous innovation. And I can
0: understand that hesitation. Goodness knows plenty of bad ideas that had good motivations have been foisted upon the liturgy over the decades. Even some of Michael's specific ideas were, I believe, ultimately unhelpful, But having the discussion isn't a bad thing in and of itself.
1: Right. Michael was looking at what he saw as real problems in the church of his day and seeking to find real solutions. He saw that the faithful were being encouraged to pray novenas and rosaries and other devotionals rather than the mass. He saw that people had no notion of the connection between the liturgy and the rhythm of the Christian life. He saw that the faithful were not acquainted with the prayers and parts of the Mass, and why the priest did what he did, wore what he wore, and said what he said.
0: This disconnect between liturgy and life, he believed, was a major problem for the Church. And if that disconnect could be overcome, Catholics would not only become great American voters to reach back to Orestes Brownson, but they would transform society through works of justice. So the liturgical press began publishing Arate Fratres, and its pages you'd find articles about the central role of liturgy in the life of the Christian, the importance of the laity being aware of what is happening in the liturgy, the power of the liturgy to educate Catholics about the faith, and yes, articles about Possible changes to the liturgy and to church architecture.
1: And that's where you start to get a little bit itchy.
0: Yeah, I absolutely agree that the liturgy is central and that the more people come to know the liturgy, the better Catholics they'll be, and thus the better they'll be at loving their neighbor. But some of his specific suggestions, like the full translation into the vernacular and, and churches in the round, well, let's say I think time and implementation have given evidence that they're not the best way to achieve the noble and worthy goal. So we'd have a lot to agree on and plenty to have deep discussions about.
1: He sure would. And I'd have my own area to have a deep discussion. Also, as mentioned, he believed that liturgy was an indispensable tool for catechesis. In his day, catechesis was done through the Baltimore Catechism, which was only about 40 years old at that point. His beef with the Baltimore Catechism had a few parts. First, he believed that rote memorization of facts and phrases didn't help the faithful to really learn the why of the faith, and it only barely helped them to learn the what of the faith. Second, he believed that the Baltimore Catechism separated the facts about the doctrines too far from the celebration of those doctrinal realities within the liturgy.
0: Right. The truths of the faith are presented within the liturgy on a cyclical basis, so we can learn a lot about the faith by paying attention to what she celebrates within and through the liturgy.
1: Yeah, and third, he recognized that since we are bodily creatures, and since our religion is one that involves the whole created order, our catechetical efforts needed to involve physical realities and activities.
0: And since the liturgy is the action par excellence of our faith, the liturgy was indispensable to catechesis.
1: Yeah, honestly, as we talked about Don Virgil's emphasis on catechesis and the centrality of liturgy, I'm... Reminded also of Blessed Carlos Manuel Rodriguez, the Puerto Rican catechist.
0: Yes. (laughs) He didn't have nearly the education of Dom Virgil, not even finishing his undergrad due to health problems, but he recognized a lot of the same things that Dom Virgil did, particularly the central importance of liturgy. He loved the Easter Vigil and and would say about it frequently, We live for this night.
1: And like Dom Virgil, he also launched his own paper to spread liturgical awareness. We told his story in episode 22.
0: These overlaps are so cool to come across. Yeah. Yeah. But back to Dom Virgil. So what he did was propose an entirely new approach to catechesis. And this is where we move from my special area of interest to yours.
1: Right. Yeah, I worked in catechesis at the parish and diocesan level, and as mentioned before, I'm trained in all three levels of CGS, the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. When I was reading through his principles for the Reformation of Catechesis, I saw a lot that sounded very familiar.
0: Yeah, he had six principles for catechesis that sounds an awful lot like what you do within CGS. One, method and materials should be adapted to the learner two religious education should proceed from the concrete to the abstract three one learns by doing four learning is best done through group processes and dialogue five repetition enhances learning and six learning involves progressive development and growth
1: I could go through each of those and talk at length about how they come alive within CGS, but we don't have time. What is remarkable is that he arrived at them 20 or 30 years before CGS was developed. I wonder if he had encountered any of Maria Montessori's work while he was in Europe. That's actually a
0: very fascinating question. He may have. Yeah, she was very active at that point. Mm -hmm. Other principles that he emphasized included the absolute need for the educators to live exemplary lives.
1: Right. Because if we believe that education is about more than just learning facts, if we believe it is about right living in relation to God, then our educators need to educate through more than just words. They need to educate through their lives as well. Of course, this doesn't mean educators are expected to live sinless lives. That's impossible. But they are expected to accept all that the church teaches, strive to live according to Catholic moral principles, and participate properly in the sacraments.
0: To aid the church in this new kind of catechesis, he wrote, co-wrote, or published a few series of catechetical textbooks, including a high school course in religion, the With Mother Church series, the Christ Life series, and the Christian Religion series.
1: And both of these, liturgy and catechesis, lead to living a life in society that promotes justice.
0: This is a really cool part of his project, honestly. The mystical body of Christ is about right prayer, so liturgy plus right belief, which means catechesis, and these lead to right living, which manifests in a personal quest for holiness, as well as working in society to bring about a more just society.
1: To this end, Dom Virgil became good friends with, and a frequent correspondent of, Peter Morin. Morin, of course, co-founded the Catholic Worker Movement with Dorothy Day. Morin and Day were devout Catholics who both had a profound respect for the liturgy. We talked about Dorothy Day and the founding of the Catholic Worker Movement in episode 45.
0: One of my favorite stories about Day was when a priest offered Mass at the Catholic Worker House, and he used one of their coffee cups as a chalice. After Mass, Day was observed handling the cup with extreme reverence, kissing it, and then taking it into the backyard to bury it. She so understood the significance of liturgy and the real presence of Christ in the Blessed Sacrament that she knew that that mug ought never be used again for mere daily use. And yes, that sounds like an example of what Dom Virgil was all about.
1: Tom Virgil and Morin had lengthy discussions about social justice, the proper approach to economics, and the structures that ought to be in place to aid the poor and destitute.
0: For starters, they did not believe that the government was the proper vehicle for social welfare programs. Justice dictates that individuals aid each other in society. It's not really a work of charity if a bureaucratic functionary is just carrying out orders, handing out benefits. Real social justice requires individual persons to come to the aid of other persons in need.
1: So to be clear, they were not socialists, but neither were they fans of the practice of capitalism that left the poor behind.
0: And the motivation for this, as well as its animating energy, is Christ in the Eucharist given to us within the liturgy.
1: When addressing some Catholics who were discouraged by some difficulty they were having in their social justice activity, Don Virgil said, You need the Mass. You must persevere by all means. You have a vocation. Study the Mass. Live the Mass. Between two Masses, you can bear everything.
0: That line just gives me chills.
1: It is so powerful to consider. Yeah.
0: But the Mass wasn't the only liturgy he recommended that the Lady dive into. He also promoted the Liturgy of the Hours among the Lady. In fact, he specifically suggested that those who lived at the Catholic worker house that he frequented should pray Compline, or night prayer, together every evening. He even provided them booklets from the liturgical press. They took up the practice and it spread through other Catholic worker houses.
1: Dom Virgil's life, however, wasn't just one article and publication and speaking engagement after another. His incredibly hectic schedule took a severe toll on his health.
0: Yes. In 1930, he suffered significant loss of eyesight and a complete physical and nervous breakdown. After two months in the hospital, he was sent to recuperate at a Chippewa Indian village up in far northern Minnesota. He spent three years there, returning to Collegeville in 1933 when he was made dean of St. John's. University once again. But even this time on the Chippewa Reservation served him well. Being unable to really sit still, he poured himself into ministry among the Chippewa. He learned their language, went hunting with them, ate their food, and learned all about the hardships they endured. Many of those hardships had come from the ill treatment that they received from the government. This experience contributed mightily to his views on the importance of acting rightly for social justice.
1: He would remain Dean at St. John's for five years, during which time so many of his writings on liturgy, catechesis, and social justice caused ripples within the American church and beyond. It was just as he was really hitting his stride, if you will, that his health failed him once again. This time, however, there was no recuperation. He died of viral pneumonia in 1938 at just 48 years old.
0: It's truly a tragedy that he died when he did, because really, He was working right in the center of the three aspects of the church that have seen the most change over the past 70 or 80 years. Liturgy obviously changed a ton in the decades after his death, and plenty of what has happened there has not been helpful or edifying.
1: Catechesis underwent a massive overhaul after Vatican II, but most dioceses, parishes, and schools have struggled.
0: And social justice efforts have proliferated, but they too often become associated with government handouts, socialist ideas, and morally compromised organizations or positions.
1: But Don Virgil Michael can't really be blamed for these problems, because even though they all followed on work that he did, the integrated approach he took hasn't been observed. The mystical body of Christ hasn't been respected as he preached it.
0: No, liturgy hasn't been respected as the center of the Christian life, and it certainly has not been kept at the center of catechesis or social justice.
1: And this is part of the tragedy, but also the opportunity. Even as the church has gone through many decades of reform on the very subjects that Dom Virgil worked through, his actual thought has largely been ignored. Perhaps we, as a church, can rediscover Dom Virgil's vision of the mystical body of Christ and bring about a new springtime of beautiful and edifying liturgy, catechesis that forms the whole person, and social justice that draws all closer to Christ. You've been listening to American Catholic History, sponsored by Beatrix Media, on the StarQuest Production Network. If you've been enjoying our podcast, please help others find it by sharing this episode and by giving us a five-star rating and a good review. And be sure to
0: check out our sponsor, Beatrix Media, providing writing, digital marketing, website strategy and construction, and search engine optimization services. Visit BeatrixMedia.com. Experience your world communicated. Also, please support the many fine productions of SQPN at sqpn.com slash give
1: To learn more about Dom Virgil Michael to find previous episodes or to learn about our upcoming pilgrimages to important and unforgettable Catholic holy sites please visit AmericanCatholicHistory.org We also love feedback and hearing about great Catholic history sites and stories from all over. You can email us at history at sqpn.com or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash American Catholic History, on Instagram at ACH underscore podcast, or follow us on Twitter at ACH 1513. I'm Noel Hester Crow.
0: And I'm Tom Crow.
1: Thank you once again for joining us on American Catholic History, sponsored by Beatrix Media and produced by StarQuest.